This episode is brought to you by SmartFood, the sweet, salty snack you need this holiday season. Air pop popcorn, tossed in delicious white cheddar cheese, or mixed with sweet caramel and cheddar. It's the perfect snack for your smart holiday party. Shop now at snacks.com. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Choices are great. Like with your podcasts, you get to choose what you want to listen to. And State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. That's why the State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you get the coverage you want at an affordable price and a policy that helps cover what you value most. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com today to create your State Farm Personal Price Plan. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Welcome to WrestleWolf. I'm your host, Damien Gibson. Today, we're going to be um, breaking down... Full Gear 2022. Let's get into it. Hello, wrestling fans, uh, and welcome to WrestleWolf. Uh, yeah, we're just going to break down full gear. Uh, apologize for um, no Dynamite Rampage, but I've uh, been having some uh, very small health issues that have been getting in the way of recording, and then also um, neighbors that just continue to renovate at um, just really weird times. Really weird times. Anyway. Um, I'm going to try and slip in a quick review of full gear um, while there's no noise happening. Um, so, look, let's get into it. Uh, uh, my brief sort of overview of the pay-per-view is that um, I, I feel uh, like AEW is back. I really enjoyed almost every single match on this card. It felt self-assured, um, which... AW always had that kind of um, feeling in the booking, um, and it, it it disappeared. I feel like the uh, CM Punk um, issues uh, took away from that. The, whether it, whether it was a self assuredness from AW or whether it was um, the confidence that the fans had in uh, AW was rocked a little bit. Um, I'm not. Sure, but it's probably a little bit of both. But this was a very self-assured, well-executed wrestling pay-per-view. Um, really, I mean, every almost every match uh, had a "this is awesome" chant. The crowd was hot. New Jersey was a great place to have this pay-per-view. Uh, you know, I mean, people, a lot of people on Reddit complaining about. AEW sort of like uh, tiring out the same um, the same markets, but I mean when they react like they did last night, I can see why Tony Khan keeps going back to the well. Um, 
Yeah, so... Well, let's just start from the beginning because there's a lot that I want to talk about, and I suppose we'll just go through it as we go through each match. We started off with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus in a cage. Uh, Luchasaurus was all over Jungle Boy for the first half of this match. Uh, Christian, this... I'm not sure whether anyone else got the feeling that this was a little awkward. Christian nicked the keys to the cage off the referee in a pickpocket style that I liked very much, but then... Uh, kind of got busted trying to, to break into the cage, which is, I mean, of, of course he would. Um, but the awkwardness I'm talking about is that I suppose growing up watching WWE, once you leave the cage, you win, um, which hasn't always been the case with cage matches. So uh, Luchasaurus came out, Jungle Boy came out of the cage, and I think a lot of people were like, oh, it's the end of the match, even though the rules... In AEW, you haven't necessarily been that for the last three and a half years that it's been running. I just think the commentators could have restated that a little bit because you do need to take into consideration that the vast majority of people have grown up on a diet of WWE and you need to explain the stipulations if they're if they're different. Uh, from this point, Luchasaurus, uh, well, Christian was ejected from the area, which allowed for uh, the clean finish eventually. Uh, Luchasaurus is using a whole bunch of um, tools to try and beat the crap out of uh, Jungle Boy and it's no DQ, so that's allowed. Uh, from this point, though, Jungle Boy um, has his comeback. He hits a pile driver. We got some this-is-awesome chance and a, a flying elbow off the off the top of the cage was was a, um, a highlight. That led to a snare trap and the win for, for Jungle Boy. The crowd popped really hard for this. And what I did like as a follow-up, it cut to the desk and we got a brief minute or so of Taz, JR and Excalibur talking about what's next for Jungle Boy. I really like this. You know, I feel like this is something that AEW absolutely should be doing 100% more of. Just sort of like, well, you know, this could happen. Jungle Boy could maybe move on from the Luchasaurus feud and start going for belts. But we, we, you know, time will tell. I like that. I like that foreshadowing of like, look, we haven't necessarily decided yet. Either one of these two things could happen. So, um, you know, tune in on Wednesday to find out. I, I think that's that's really good. Uh, next up, we had the return of the elite. This match, I mean, I have so many notes from this match. Um, it essentially was, it, it's a five-star match. <laughs> Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus, I uh, would probably give uh, 4.5 out of 5. Death Triangle, ver- Death Triangle versus the Elite is 5. And I think that's the first match I've given a 5-star rating to. Um, Death Triangle are our first. Everyone's always pretty happy to see them, even though I still don't quite understand why these three guys are a team. But uh, anyway, they are. Uh, and then the lights go black. Uh, ticking clock lyrics from wayward son um by kansas on the screen most people aren't as old as me so i had no idea that's what that was lights come back on and wayward son by kansas play and it's so amazing like and this is why i don't think you can ever discount that aw are doing things like are doing some long-term booking on bte maybe a year ago Matt Jackson talked about wanting to come out to Wayward Son by Kansas. That'd be their next song. And so they're obviously kicking things around 
you know, I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that they had already decided that they were going to do this 12 months ago and CM Punk's at work and all that kind of thing, but I just it was a real insight into me, a real insight into the Bucks and their thought process and obviously their huge creative forces in AEW about um, how long they're thinking about things before they're implemented. And I, I just, you know, we still haven't heard any announcements about CM Punk either. So I just, I'd just be interested to see what happens in that space. Um, but this was big time. It's not about CM Punk. There were some fuck CM Punk chants when the elite came to the, to the ring um, Nick Jackson did the same wave as CM Punk did during the pipe bomb. So there's little things like that that make me think, you know, they're not bleeping that stuff out. There's references to CM Punk. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens. But anyway, this was all about the elite. They had a fantastic match. Don Callis back on, on comms. And, and this was the moment... AW felt like it was back. And, you know, I'm sort of reading on Squared Circle and in Reddit that, you know, it never went away. It's pretty funny how people completely changed their opinions, you know, after one pay-per-view. You know, three weeks ago we were talking about the end of AEW. I have been critical of the booking over the last three months. Absolutely. Um, and there's still, I think there's still some things that need to be fixed up in the storytelling on this pay-per-view, but overall, it was a reset. It was a reset that needed to happen, and it was fantastic. Um, we start with Pack and Kenny, who get uh, who go move for move, and then we get Nick and Ray, and then we get Matt and Penta. Um, some amazing chain wrestling um, that led to a huge pop and AEW chance, and it genuinely really reinforced how much uh, the elite are important to AEW or not just important. I mean, they, they are the middle letter in, in AEW. So it, it makes a huge difference when they're back. Uh, Matt Jackson then dove through uh, Matt's legs to, to hit a corkscrew on Penta. And then that's when he did the punk wave. Uh, Pac appeared to get his nose broken from a super kick. So it was all happening. Um, JR still comes across as embarrassed by the product and, and, if that's the case, he, he just, I mean, I know he was only on half the pay-per-view here. I know he's on Rampage now, so we're slowly sort of putting him out to pasture, but it's got to happen sooner rather than later because you, you, you're you a young, fledgling company and you need people who are proud of the product at all times to put it over. And I, I think, unfortunately, and with JR especially, a little bit Tony, even though Tony's an executive producer of some description or, or a creative director or something, and Taz is also starting to fall into a little bit as well. There's guys who have been there, who've been in the industry for a long time, who don't seem to be 100% sold on the product. And it's coming across on comms. Uh, to be fair to them, I, I'm in Australia, so we get a lot of, um, because it's on Fight TV, we get the commentary that happens during the ad breaks, and that's probably where a lot of this is happening. But even still, if you don't believe in the product, if these guys don't believe in the product and they don't want to be there, then, you know, like just let Excalibur, let Excalibur do it and get Chris Jericho on commentary or get Ricky Starks on commentary or, you know, anyone who wants to... Um, be there and actually sell the product because I mean this was probably the best match uh, technique wise in ring for a year it was such a huge return 
everybody's losing their mind and you've got JR just sitting there going, it just really takes me out of it. Uh, Nick Nick hits a uh, backward uh, leg flip on Penta off the top rope, so like uh, essentially a German suplex off the top rope uh, onto the... um, Onto the rest of the, the guys in the in the match, uh, Kenny gets a two count on Pack at this point. Pack hits a German suplex to get out of a V trigger. Um, this triple tombstone, some amazing offense, so much happening. And then uh, a Pack hits a black arrow on Kenny, and he kicks out. Uh, sorry, Nick saves him with a with a knee uh, at that point. And then that's when Pack and the Hammer come in, and. Um, he he throws the hammer to Ray. Ray throws it back to him. There's some more offense. Kenny's about to hit the one-winged angel, and then Pac throws Ray uh, the hammer. Ray uses the hammer to knock Kenny out, uh, and Death Triangle retain. The announcement almost immediately was that, that there would be a seven-match uh, series between these two Um for the trios championship which is some ingenious booking because we get to see this match over and over again uh we get to have a long feud over an extended period of time which will most likely um end up with the elite winning the trios belt but it doesn't completely bury bury death death triangle either so i I really like that this match was amazing everything about it was great and we're off to the races with this pay-per-view uh next up jay cargo versus nyla rose for the tbs title uh i like the baddies dollar bill fans that they had it's a little bit of presentation that was nice nyla was on top for the first half of this match Jade came back, came back hard, and essentially was a squash match. And this feud is over. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it because it was at least a story that led to somewhere, and it's been executed quickly. So I, I thought Nyla maybe got a little bit more of a um, uh, boost through this um, feud, and 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 I suppose Jade it hasn't hurt Jade in any way. So. But we really need to get to a number with Jade and, and end this run because it, it's, um, I mean, it's not great. Uh, next up, we have Brian Danielson versus Chris Jericho versus Sammy Guevara versus Claudio Castagnoli for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Uh, some great move to move wrestling here. Sammy turned on Chris halfway through although that was kind of extinguished a little bit afterwards because chris was interviewed and was like of course sammy's gonna do that blah 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 um but at the time it felt big it felt like oh are we gonna have a sammy guevara chris jericho feud for the ring of honor title and i don't hate that um as much as sammy guevara is someone who doesn't particularly interest me when he turned on chris here he got a bit of a, a face pop and that might be what we need with Sammy to um, just get some heat off him because the go-away heat is pretty strong with Sammy and there was a noticeable difference when when he went up against Chris. Uh, Brian and Claudio were wrestling each other quite a bit in this match as well and with the events that were happening later uh, or happened later in the pay-per-view, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh Claudio, right at the end of the match, Claudio swinging Sammy around. Chris Jericho sort of dove over Sammy to hit the Judas effect and get the win. Um, I 
I found myself halfway through this match. Look, I really enjoyed this match. I would give it 4.25 out of out of five stars. And the reason for that is uh, it told a good story. It was it was sort of um, zigzagging all over the place of, of who you thought might win. All four of these guys are amazing wrestlers. There could be some feuds that spin out of this, which is always the is always a nice uh, sort of it's the icing on the top of them of a great match if you can sort of spin some some feuds out of it. But um, I just thought. You know, there was, I, I mean, obviously I love Brian Danielson and I was like, I would like him to win, but I also don't want Danielson with the Ring of Honor title. It, it feels like it's beneath him a little bit. And I apologize to Ring of Honor fans, uh, you know, for putting down that. But at the moment, like, I mean, if you look at this pay-per-view, it's the third match or fourth match on the card. It's a mid-card title in AEW and... um I just don't think Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson needs to be at the top of the card. That's all I'm saying. I there were moments where I wanted Sammy to win. I wanted Sammy to beat Chris Jericho and take the Ring of Honor title off him um, as a as a baby face, which hasn't quite happened yet. So in the end, not putting the belt on Sammy, I don't hate. And Jericho's doing. Jericho's actually doing a pretty good job with the Ring of Honor title. I like this sort of story of him sort of slowly becoming a, a, a great Ring of Honor champion, even though he hates Ring of Honor and blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't hate it. So this match was good. I think probably the right booking decision happened and, and uh, Chris will carry on. Um Britt Baker versus Soraya was next. Um, Soraya Knight, really interested. I was obviously really interested to see how Soraya went. I think she looked pretty good, seeing that she was five years out of the ring. Um, For me, uh, and I've been really hard on Britt in the last three months, and I think this match kind of represents what the problem is. I mean, you've got, you've got, you know, if she's not a legend now, by the time she retires, Soraya will be a, a Hall of Fame um, wrestler, and so she should be. And I, I, I just you know, this match was fine. You know, I, I it's a we're looking for me. It's a three point five, maybe three point seven five star. Let's give it three point seven five stars out of five match. Right? It wasn't wasn't terrible. It kept my attention, but there was no. I paid close attention to the crowd in this match and, you know, there were pops for Soraya at the natural points, you know, when she came out onto the stage, when she eventually won the match. But during the course of the match, there was just a lull. Uh, not as bad as the lull between when Jade and, and um, uh, Nyla Rose were, were wrestling, but there just wasn't – there's no – there's no peaks. It's just a very monotone match when Brit is involved. And um, I think this is the problem. It was the problem with Thunder Rosa. It's It's been the problem when she's gone up against Tony Storm. And it's the problem now that she's going up against Soraya is that you can be the best talker in the world. And you can go out there and talk about how it's my house, my division, and I've carried this division on my back. Even though, uh, you know, Hikaru Shida did the vast majority of carrying during the pandemic era uh, and Thunder Rosa after that, 
like, you know, Britt Baker did greatly improve in a 12-month period, but it has very much leveled out and her character has become very one-dimensional. And I just, something needs to change, whether she goes away and has a break for a little bit or tries to become a baby face, uh, goes out as a heel on her own. Um, But, uh, yeah, I, I just thought... It was a short build-up for the Soraya Brit match. They will probably continue to feud after this, and that's okay. Uh, but I just think maybe some some I don't know, like maybe Soraya can help Brit's in ring game a little bit because it's pretty one dimensional. And it, for all the build-up that happens in any sort of Brit Baker feud, once we hit the ring, it's a bit meh, and that's what happened here for me um i mean she was telling a story going after soraya's neck but that was to be expected the vast majority of the match was move for move uh soraya hit uh, two finishing moves to, to get the win but um yeah i mean the highlight of the or the the headline for the this match for me is that um i i think brit really needs to improve her in ring uh game especially when you sort of if you put this match up against the four-way match for the Ring of Honor title or the Elite versus Death Triangle match, I mean, it's just... Or even the Jungle Boy Luchasaurus match. It just wasn't... There were no moments in the match that made me gasp or think like, oh, what's going to happen here? It was all by the numbers um, wrestling and, and, and executed well by the numbers, but by the numbers nonetheless. Um, okay, let's take a quick break here. Here's a um, quick uh, note from our sponsor, uh, and then we'll come back and do the second half of Full Gear 2022. DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL is my go-to when burning on the NFL this holiday season. Uh, well, look, the reason why for me is uh, the easy and fast payouts. Uh, you guys know I've been betting on the bills all season. I'm not going to stop anytime soon. Uh, and then when I get those dollar-dollar bills, y'all, I can take them out straight away. Uh, right now, new customers, and that's you if you haven't signed up yet, you can bet just $5 on any NFL team, that's the National Football League, uh, to win their game and you'll get $150 in free bets if they do, right? So you bet $5 on a team. If they win, you get $150. I mean, what do you got to lose? Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsback app, uh, place the same game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. Uh, the more legs you add, the bigger the boost. The bigger your shot to win big. 150 bucks, man. Uh, discuss my own experience with the app, upcoming game or player that I like. Hmm, okay, well, it's the Bills. I'm going to tell you guys in every ad, put all your money on the Bills. For you guys uh, who aren't NFL fans who are here to listen to wrestling talk, man, bet on AEW. Uh, WWE, like Survivor Series War Games coming up, you can bet on that as well. Um, 
you know, and it's pretty easy now that Hunter's the booker. You just book whoever his favourites are and they win. So, you know, um, Bailey, uh, Dakota Kai, any match that those guys are in, they will be booked to win. So it's easy money. Uh, all you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code TPPN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only use DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for Welcome back, guys. Let's get into the second half of Full Gear 2022. Next up was Powerhouse Hobbs versus Wardlow versus Samoa Joe for the Ring of Honor television title. Um, yeah, this was a really interesting match. Uh, Hobbs hurt his elbow, which was a story point. I kept sort of uh, commentators did a really good job pointing that out. Um Wardlow hit a backflip off the top rope, which was pretty stupendous considering the size of the guy. Uh, Wardlow eventually gets on top. He's hitting a powerbomb power symphony on uh, on Will Hobbs. And then Samoa Joe hits Wardlow with his belt, his Ring of Honor belt, and um, chokes out Hobbs and is a double champion. <laughs> and I did not see this coming at all. I just thought this was... Um, a swerve, but a, a good one. Um, I mean, I feel a little sorry for Wardlow because I don't think he was given a particularly great run as TNT champion, but Samoa Joe, um, as a big dominant heel uh, in the mid card with two belts, uh, builds him up and also... I think we will probably have maybe Hobbs go after the Ring of Honor title and Wardlow go after the TNT Championship uh, or vice versa. Um, you know, or we might introduce somebody else into the into the picture. But this was a, um, you know, I saw this described as a series premiere for AEW last night and I, I don't mind this storyline at all. Um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of Wardlow fans or big Hobbs fans who are disappointed that Jamoa, uh, that Jamoa Samoa Joe won. Um, but I think it's probably the, it's a compromise but a good one uh, because you can always put belts back on those guys at a later date and they need to work out you know, um, I think Wardlow's going to be better if he's chasing something and if he's chasing a big monster heel, and Samoa Joe definitely fits that. Uh, I I enjoyed this match, especially with the booking at the end. I'll I'll give it four stars out of five. I I thought it was really good. Uh, Next up, we have Sting and Darby Allen versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. Now, um, I saw a lot of... Not necessarily heat, but just a lot of like, eh, about uh, Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. Um, and I can kind of understand why to a point, you know. I mean, their impact, both heavily associated with with impact. 
uh, and then Jay Lethal went off to you know the the Ring of Honor that was kind of dying. So you know, I do sort of notice that when wrestlers are sort of identified with those kind of um, promotions, it can sort of leave a, a bit of a stink on them. As far as wrestling fans are concerned, I was super excited about Jeff Jarrett coming in only because I know that he wasn't going to get booked as a champion. He's there to do backstage work for the company. So I didn't mind this. Sting and Darby got a a good win. Uh, it was a nice little feud that lasted a few weeks. And and the match itself was a lot of fun. Sting Sting's jumping off stuff. There was a nice entrance from Darby before that. Uh, Darby and Sting managed to put uh, Satnam Singh away, which which was stupendous. Uh, and it was just a great little match. I had a, a bit of fun. It's you know a mid card match that maybe a few people would have gone off to get their popcorn and drink while they were, while this was on, but you shouldn't have because it was um, it was just good fun to watch. I, I really enjoyed this. So I would give it. Uh, if I'm giving the last match four stars, I'd probably give this four stars out of five as well. Um, we're up to the main three matches of the night, and I think all of these were, were really, really good. Uh, Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. This was a really, really good match. Um, I do have some problems with the way this story was told, though. Um, if you're going to put Jamie Hayter over, that's fine. She's absolutely earned it. She's hot and... I saw Brian Alvarez speaking this morning in regards to MJF, but it's pertinent. If someone's that hot and is getting a natural reaction from the crowd, go with it. And Jamie Hayter's getting that reaction, kind of the same reaction MJF got in a couple of matches time. Uh, Make her a face. Don't don't have Britain Rebel. You know, I I don't care if Britain Rebel want to come down and have their moment wearing Jamie Hayter shirts and stuff. Fuck off. Um, I... Look, I don't think it's the worst booking in the world. I think if you wanted to book it that way, it was done perfectly fine. But there were two moments of interference here. And if you're rocket strapping Jamie to the moon, you're not doing that. If you're if she constantly has to have interference to, to beat Tony Storm, I understand the counter to that would be, well, it makes Tony look strong because it took three people to beat her. Tony Storm is is a good enough wrestler and over enough with a with a with the predominant amount of the audience to um be able to take a loss. This is the thing that keeps sort of happening uh, and both companies do this uh but AEW's been doing it a lot recently and I I really dislike it. The interference takes away from whichever way you want to book it. If you're booking a baby face to go over, then it interrupts. It doesn't make them look stronger to me. And if you, especially in this case where Jamie Hayter and, and Tony Storm were having a great match, and the match itself, look, I'll give it, I'll give it four point five out of out of five. I thought it was a stupendous match, but I'll take half a, a star off because the run-ins really left a. It didn't leave a bit of taste in my mouth, but I just don't. I I wouldn't. I didn't want to see it. You could have quite easily have booked Jamie Hayter to win clean against um, Tony Storm because Tony Storm can always come back and go. Well, that was just an interim world championship anyway. You know, there's there's other ways to tell that story, and then you can have Brit and Rebel come down afterwards if you really want to. If you have to give Brit 
more FaceTime. Um, I, you know, I am at the point now where anything associated with Brit is, is annoying me. Um, and, you know, this was a reset. It was a reset pay-per-view and a very, very good one. And the comments on all uh, social media outlets tell me that people are over the moon with this pay-per-view and that's great. That's great. So was I. For You know, I, it's just there are still some weaknesses in the storytelling of like everybody was happy with how we got to the winners in these matches and that's fine. But what happens at the next pay-per-view if people are winning that the fans aren't happy with and then the storytelling is still weak or has weak spots like this? You know, you can paper over problems by giving people what they want, but I still want to see the, the uh, you know, as tight as a fish's bum storytelling that was happening in the first year, uh, year and a half, two years of, of AEW. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and the, I suppose my other criticism as well is, is I think we can just drop interim. You know, if we've got injuries, you know, I, I know this is probably the wrong time to jump on this bandwagon because everybody is super happy with AEW again and we're back, baby, and all that kind of stuff. But there's still these issues that probably need to be resolved. Interim championships, it, it detract, the word detracts from the importance of the matches. So you've got Jamie and Tony in this huge match. Everyone's excited. They deliver and have a fantastic wrestling match outside of the interference, but it's for the interim women's world championship you know even just saying it right now it detracts from it right it's less interesting so um that that needs to be dropped as well but hats off to the girls these two absolutely should be the faces of the women's division for the next five years at least um i I really enjoy both of them I, i think both of them can do heel and face work um and they're good friends in real life and it showed in the ring that, that they have a great chemistry. Uh, next up, we had the Acclaimed versus Swerve in Our Glory for the AEW Tag Championships. Uh, this match, again, wrestling-wise, had a lot of good moments, um, kind of telling the story of how Anthony Bowens isn't the glass man and, and could stand up to a whole bunch of um, punishment in this match to, to let the Acclaimed um, retain their titles. Uh, it just seemed to me like the whole crowd thought it was a foregone conclusion that that the acclaimed would win, um, and so we were all kind of waiting for the inevitable breakup between Swerve and Keith Lee, which we did get, and it was it was good. Um, it just sort of felt like, it, you know, I like the storytelling. I'm glad that those two have been split up and that they can go solo. But Keith kind of helped the Acclaim retain. And that, again, sort of detracts a bit from the Acclaimed being the babyface champions. Like, let them win clean and then have Keith and Swerve break up, you know? Um, I, I just think him sort of leaving halfway through the match as well, um, you know, it's good that Keith has finally come to his senses and, and told Swerve to fuck off. But again, I think you need to segment these things a little bit. Have the match, have them win clean, and then have the, the storytelling happen. Uh, it just, I don't know, it just detracts from, especially when a championship is involved, it detracts from the win a little bit for me. 
these are I, I want to really put it on the record that these are small criticisms and it's a hundred thousand times better than it has been on TV the last sort of two or three months, but it's still there and needs to be cleaned out. Um, but anyway, the claim to still tag team champions and swerving at glory have broken up. So ultimately the things that we wanted to happen have happened and that's great. It's just how are we getting there? That, that's the thing that like that still needs to be tweaked to be a hundred percent. And next we got Mox versus MJF. The crowd was with MJF. Mox is trying hard to keep up with MJF in the interplay stakes and probably does a pretty good job in the end of just sort of switching heel at the last minute. Um, the crowd were impatient wanting MJF to win and, and Mox was happy to play into that um, as the as the heel. Um, Mox hit a pile driver through a, a table that was brutal for both guys. Um, Mox injured the... Uh, Sorry, MJF injured his knee, and that was sold well uh, throughout the match by both guys and the commentators. Um, I, I I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting a little bit sick of the um, BCC, like UFC elbows and stuff like that. I I, I just don't think it's that big a deal. Um, yeah, I mean, like it's it's fine. You know, it's sort of part of their character, so I get it to a point. But um, I don't know. I just any any time. MMA or UFC sort of crept into into pro wrestling. I, I don't like it, and it, there's something sort of strange to me about like the top babyface uh, faction being like we like to fight. I mean, it kind of makes sense, but anyway, I don't think we're going to have to worry about that faction uh, <laughs> maybe ever again because. Uh, both the refs got knocked out in this match. Uh, and then while that was happening, William Regal uh, throws his uh, knuckle dusters to MJF. MJF uses them on Mox, knocks him out, gets the win, and is the AEW champion. And again, like, you know, I saw Brian Alvarez talking about this this morning to Dave Meltzer, and, and Dave was like, oh, well, you know. But I kind of agree with Brian here, and I'm trying not to be super negative, but I just think, like, based on the reaction that MJF's getting when he comes to the ring, you've got to try and see if you can go babyface with him. Um, you know, Meltzer was sort of saying, like, well, you know, that's not what people want from him. They want him to be the devil, and they want him to be a smart ass, and, and that doesn't lend itself to being a... Um, a face, but I mean, The Rock did it, and I think MJF could quite easily do the same thing. Um, but anyway, look, I think the likelihood is that he'll come out on Dynamite on Wednesday with William Regal and be like, "You fucking idiots! You thought blah 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 blah," and and this will sort all of this out. But um, look, at the end of the day, it was a great match, four point five uh, stars out of five. Um. Moxley will probably have a bit of a break now, and I think that's probably good for us as viewers. I mean, he's done an amazing job in trying circumstances. He's always fantastic at pushing the story along and telling great stories in ring and outside of them. And he, uh, last night was a really good example of that, that <clears throat> he um, he turned on a dime. Like when the crowd reaction was so strongly against him, uh, he turned heel. And, um, I mean, that... that Obviously, like he's an experienced performer, but it takes uh, it takes confidence in your own abilities to just do that and turn on a dime. So, um, 
be interesting to see if he comes back as a heel or, or what happens there. But the MJF era has begun, and um, I'm really, I'm really excited. I'm really, like, it, it, I, I sort of, <clears throat> I think, kind of looking back on what I've said about the pay per view, I, I feel like I've been quite negative about it, and I don't want that to be your overall takeaway. That the the pay per view, I would give four point seven five out of five. I mean, as high as I could out of five without giving it four or five stars. And I would only do that because there's just those small storytelling problems for me. Like it does matter how you get to the conclusion, you know? Like if Superman has acted like a bad guy throughout the – or if he's – you know, let's say Superman's acted like Superman throughout a whole film but then gets the job done by doing something kind of evil at the end of the movie, that's not – but Superman has won, so great. That's not good storytelling. So, you know, that still needs to be fixed up. But, look, the, the quality of storytelling was a thousand times better, and I, I genuinely think that with the Elite back on board, that will sort itself out because you can't tell me that those guys didn't have a huge hand in what was happening in and out of the ring because... They weren't there for the last two months or three months, whatever it's been, and the storytelling has been pretty atrocious. So I think having Kenny and the Bucks back on board, we will see uh, the quality of storytelling that we were getting previously. Um, so, yeah, look, that's it. Um, really good show. Really enjoyed it. Looking forward to um, – I've got a renewed sense of optimism about AEW. Not that I was hating on it. There was still really good stuff – a wealth of talent on the roster. Um, I think Tony needs a soundboard uh, or a sounding board, and I think the elite give that to him. Um, and immediately, like you see it with like the seven match uh, or the seven match series between the Death Triangle and the Elite, like that's great. Everybody wants to see that. So give give everybody what they want to see. There's more matches between those two teams, and the elite will eventually, most likely win the trio's belt, which is also what everybody wants to see, but it doesn't completely bury the death triangle. And I don't know if that decision would have been made without the elite being back on board. So the elite are back in the, you know, they're back in the um, in the helm seat. Uh, the crowd are, are up and about. And I, I think this was probably an important summer for AEW to see how bad things can get. Um, if you don't nip things in the bud when it comes to egos and <laughs> but also uh you know tony sort of stood his ground and made sure that everybody knew that he was the boss and the product suffered for a couple of months because of it but the right decision was probably made at the time and and now everybody can move on um and we can start really concentrating on on getting a the product back up to where it was. And, I mean, we've still got House of Black to come back. Most likely Miro. I'm not 100% sure what's happening there. He, he might just be waiting out his contract to go back to WWE. But we're definitely getting House of Black back, Hangman Page back. Um, and so there's still a lot of talent to come back onto the show um, that weren't on the pay-per-view last night. We didn't have Orange Cassidy wrestling last night. We didn't have FTR wrestling last night. Uh, we didn't have uh, Hangman Page, Alistair Black, um, 
or Miro. So uh, a lot of talent. Um, Athena wasn't on the on the card. So a lot of talent to um, to fit into that pay per view as well. And and just really, I just really want strong booking to be happening on both shows. Like you know, no QT Marshall. No, like you don't need them. You don't need guys like that because look at how stacked the roster is. Um, I want great feuds between great wrestlers and great teams all the time. Um, and that's what I expect to see over the next five months until we get to, oh, I don't know what the next pay-per-view is. Uh, would it be all out? No. No, it wouldn't be all out. Uh, it'll be double or nothing, right? Anyway, either way. Um Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, really appreciate it. You can help me out by either downloading the DraftKings app and putting in the code TPPN, uh, or you can give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm Damien Gibson. This is Russell Wolf, and I will speak to you next week. <laughs>